0: We're in week two of a series that we're calling Answers. And we're looking for answers to a particular question. And the question is this. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? I've been researching that question. I've been researching answers to that question. I've been talking to people and asking them that question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And the most common answer I hear is this. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Most people say, I just don't do anything. I just I freeze I wait Um, I I hold on i'm paralyzed when I don't know what to do. I'm just paralyzed So I don't do anything. What do you do when you don't know what to do? That's a dangerous spiritual question Because christianity has built into it In into the dna of christianity. It it has movement built into it Which means you're never standing still spiritually even when you don't know what to do The answer spiritually is never do nothing As a matter of fact, if you do nothing spiritually, even if you remain the same spiritually, technically, you're going backwards. Or let me say it like this. If you look at 2015, and I say, hey, rate yourself in 2015 spiritually, and you say, you know, 2015, I was a six spiritually. And you say, you know, 2016, I think I'm still a six spiritually. Actually, you're not. Because if you're staying the same, you're actually moving backwards because Jesus is getting a little further from you because he's moving ahead. The spiritual life is supposed to Progress you're always supposed to be moving forward spiritually. You know who knows that better than anyone people who aren't christians Maybe you're in the room today, and you're not a christian Every sunday we have people come to our church who are not christians. We are glad that you're here I want you to come every sunday. Just watch us make us your test case on christianity We have people who are atheists people who are agnostic people who worship in other faiths But they have friends or family here So they come and they hang out and i'll tell you who knows that christians are supposed to be becoming more like jesus um, non-christians do And one of their favorite words to use is the word hypocrite because somewhere in their mind that's not even a christian They know if you're a christian You're supposed to look more like jesus tomorrow than you did today And when you don't something's going wrong It's christians who are okay with not growing even the non-christian world knows Dude, if you say you believe this You should be becoming a little more like jesus And what we've been saying in this series is christianity is forward movement Which means we need to look real hard for the answers to our question because we've said following jesus is not a decision It's a direction Following jesus is a journey and it's a journey that you can't stand still on because the audubon of faith is moving very rapidly By you and you have to keep moving But what do you do spiritually when you don't know what to do? What do you do spiritually when you don't know what the next step is? That's the purpose of the series to try to give some direction to that question because following jesus is a direction it's a journey If you have your bibles today, we're going to be in john chapter 4 You can open your bible. Our ushers are going to come down the aisles They've got bibles you can use if you haven't already you should download the bible app on your phone So if you forget your bible, you can just dial it up on your phone or tablet any sunday that you're sitting in church It's a free app. That's great But today we're going to be in john chapter 4 Trying to answer the question of what do you do when you don't know what to do and why should you follow jesus? Even when you're unsure of the answers we're in the book of john Because the book of john was written for one particular purpose The book of john was written to convince you of who jesus is The book of john is written to convince you of what jesus said And then the book of john is written to convince you of why you should follow what jesus taught If we look at the work the book of john We realize that the word believe is used a hundred times in the book of john So john's book about jesus was written so that we would believe who he is and it's divided into three sections There's seven. I am statements where jesus said here's who I am. Jesus says I want you to get to know me There are seven teaching narratives where jesus kind of answers the what the who is who who is jesus the what is how does jesus want you to live But let me ask you a question If somebody came and knocked on your door today after lunch, you're you're sitting at home watching the Royals game or the Masters or taking a nap or doing some yard work and somebody stumbles into your yard um, and claims to be somebody really special spiritually and they claim to have some great truth for your life. Are you just going to follow that and obey that? Or are you going to say, well, why should I listen to you? I know who you are. I know what you're saying, but why should I listen to you? What gives you the spiritual credibility to tell me what to do? John says, here's who Jesus is. And here's what jesus said But here's why you should listen to jesus and john gives us seven miraculous signs John says you should listen to jesus because he proves he's supernatural. He proves that he's divine He proves that he knows something about eternity in our past and eternity in our future He proves through miraculous signs That he's worthy of your attention Somebody showed up at your house and said here's who I am and here's how I think you should live your life You would say well, you know, I don't know why I should believe that but if they did some something really Supernatural you must say okay. You got my attention Help me understand this now the supernatural signs of john were given so that people Would give jesus the credibility that he deserved and as you read the book of john this way I'd encourage you go read the book of john sometime this month this year this summer You'll see these statements sprinkled all over over the book that signs were for believing. In John 2.18, the Jews responded to Jesus. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? If you can do something supernatural, we might believe in you. In John 2.23, now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and they believed in his name. Jesus was who he said he was. He said, here's my plan for your life. But then he backed that up by doing signs. At the end of the book of John, in John 20, 31, John said these things, these what? These stories about who Jesus is, what Jesus said, and how Jesus backed up what he said, these things are all written that you may believe that Jesus truly is the Messiah. That word means savior. Savior. The son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name So the purpose of this series is not just to study who jesus said he was The purpose of this series is not just to study what jesus says about our life the purpose of this series is to figure out why Jesus should have authority in our life to tell us anything the purpose of this series Is for you and I to figure out whether jesus is divine enough and supernatural enough to demand our attention And for him to demand submission in our life to his authority. We are trying to figure out Answers to the tough questions in life through jesus and jesus is saying i'm worth your attention Today in john chapter 4 We look at the second miracle given in the book of john And this is truly a great miracle for anyone with kids that ever need help It's a great miracle jesus helping a father out But there's so much more than that in the text in john 4 starting in verse 43 It says this now after the two days He left for galilee now. I want to stop right there for a minute Because we should never read something in the bible that has some kind of context in it without saying okay What does that mean after the after the two days something has happened To set up this story. What were these two days? Well, I want I want to tell you that in john chapter 2 where we left jesus He was at a wedding just down the hill from his hometown of nazareth in a place called cana And there he turned water to wine and he proved himself to be supernatural and people began to believe in him from that sign, we see two of the narrative sections in the book of John. We see in John chapter three, Jesus have a conversation with Nicodemus in Jerusalem. Then we see in John chapter four, Jesus have a woman with a, at a well in a place called Samaria. And after he stayed in Samaria two days, now he's back in Canaan. But I wanna show you a map of what this looks like because I, I have to see in my head stuff Sometimes to really understand who jesus is so here's a map of jesus in the time of israel And you need to understand jesus did almost all of his ministry between the dead sea Which is the body of water on the bottom of the screen and the sea of galilee, which is at the top and israel was divided Kind of into three districts galilee was in the north samaria was in the middle Judea was in the south and you always read every time jesus does a miracle he's in galilee He's in judea. He's in samaria and he would just go back and forth. He would he lived in galilee Three times a year, every Jewish male was required, if you lived in Israel, to go to Jerusalem for the feast. So often, Jesus in these three years was walking between Galilee and Judea just back and forth. So in John chapter 2, we're at a wedding. Jesus turns water to wine. He's up in Galilee and he's in a place called Cana. You can kind of see it there just to the left of the Sea of Galilee. John chapter 3, he walks down to Jerusalem, has a great conversation with a teacher of the law named Nicodemus. After he's in Jerusalem, he decides to go back home. He cuts through Samaria has a great conversation in Samaria with a woman at the well. It goes so well. There's so much ministry opened up in John chapter 4 that Jesus told his disciples, they said, hey, we got to get out of here. We got to go home. And Jesus said, let's stay here and do some ministry. So they stayed there two days and then they went back home just so you could see how Jesus' ministry functioned geographically in your head. So after two days in Samaria, they're back home and here's what we read. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official who lay sick at, whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you're never going to believe. But the royal official said, sir, come down before my, child, before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which jesus had said to him your son will live So he and his whole household believed this was the second sign jesus performed after coming To galilee from judea to galilee. Now. This is a cool story It's a good history story. You've even learned some geography today I mean you you're hitting a couple different educational senses, but what does this story mean to us? This is a story 2000 years ago that happened to people that we've never met for many of us in a place that will never be What does this story mean to us? See every time I read the bible I don't just ask. Okay, what happened? What can I learn? But I ask what am I supposed to learn for me? What does this mean to me today in april of 2016 living in the united states of america? What does this story mean? Teach me about jesus. What answers is it giving me about the hard questions i'm facing in life? So what do we learn from today's miracle several things that I want to show you That I that I really had to wrestle with To learn personally myself this week. Number one, we learn that the message is the miracle I'm gonna show you how I learned that in just a minute We learned that the message is the miracle and we learn that through a statement of Jesus that makes him sound like he's really perturbed We see a frustrating statement that jesus made in john four forty eight that tell us There's got to be more to what jesus said than the sentence we have printed in our bible in john 4 47 The the, the guy comes to jesus and said i'm going to need your help and jesus says unless you people see signs and wonders you're never going to believe Jesus just shares his heart and frustrations that you're looking for the wrong Thing you're putting your hope in the wrong Thing If we contrast this with where jesus had just been it makes a whole lot more sense He just spent two days in samaria He'd been in john chapter 2 in his hometown in cana with all of his jewish friends And there they kind of demanded a miracle and after they did a miracle some of them put his faith in him Then he went down to jerusalem and when he got to jerusalem with the religious jewish people They met jesus and said hey, we've kind of heard what you're doing Why don't you do a sign for us and we'll believe in you and jesus is like man It's all about signs with you guys and then he goes back home and they're looking for another sign But in between home and jerusalem and home he goes through an area known as samaria That was an area of people who were disconnected to god If you lived in samaria or you were genetically a samaritan your mom and dads were samaritans You were seen as disconnected from god spiritually because of your religious heritage and even because of your ethnicity And jesus goes into that place where people their whole life had grown up feeling disconnected from god He meets a woman in John chapter four whose life is totally broken. And as he shares with her the message of hope, of who he is, of how God loves people, of the reality that she's disconnected from God, but God wants to be connected to her, of the reality that her life is totally broken, but God wants it to be healed. She leaned into the message and said, if you really can give me that, then I'm in. And she was not only in, she said, stay right here. The Bible says she went and got everyone in her hometown and said, you've got to come meet this guy. Because he told me everything about my life and I have been disconnected from god and broken But he's connecting me to god and healing me and the bible says that in two days So many people there came through the message of jesus to be connected to god and to be healed of their broken lives without a miracle without a sign Just through a message that right now your life is not connected to god, but god wants to be connected to you And right now you've got some things in your life that are broken, but I can fix those They placed their faith in the message of jesus and a revival broke out in their town And now jesus is back among the jewish people And they're saying yeah, 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 we we know all the spiritual stuff But do a sign for us You see all the non-religious samaritans needed was the message of jesus and the hope he offered for eternity And they said if you are who you say you are we're in you don't have to do anything else the message that you can connect us to God and heal us from our brokenness, that's enough. But not for the Jews in Galilee because they neither believed they were disconnected from God nor that they were broken spiritually. So anything Jesus had to say to them, he was going to really have to prove. And sadly, while the people who were distant from God came quickly running to God, those who had some religion in their life and were hard-hearted, the hard-hearted religious Jews... They needed a message and a miracle and that frustrated jesus Because jesus said you're what you're asking of me And the way you're treating me proves that you don't yet believe the message of who I am and what i've come to do In verse 45, it says that jesus came to cana and they welcomed him I I want you to see that word jesus came to cana and they welcomed him When jesus came to cana, they should have worshipped him There's a difference between welcoming Jesus as a part of your life and worshiping Jesus as the Lord of your life. And what's interesting is the one place that Jesus had done a miracle and proved that he was supernatural was the one place that said, all right, that was okay. But what do you have for me next and they welcomed him to cana aware of what he'd done But not willing to worship who he was and the funny thing is when you go to cana today You get the exact same welcome of jesus I told you yesterday that when you drive down the hill from nazareth and you're driving to the sea of galilee You go through a little town that still is called cana They spell it with a k today, but there's a roadside stand where you can buy I took a picture of it wedding wine from cana and here's the, credit, the, the, the crazy thing about the recognition and the welcome of who Jesus was and what he did. In his day, Jesus went back to town and they welcomed him fully aware of what he did without worshiping him for who he was. And today you can drive through Cana where they are aware of what Jesus did and they are even welcoming you to pour money into their economy because of what Jesus did. But it is an entirely Muslim community. They said jesus and what he did. Yeah, we've heard about his story. It's cool. We'll sell you some wedding wine but worship him as anything greater than Just another person. No, I don't want to do that And there's a lot of people who like they welcome jesus into their life But they don't worship jesus as lord of their life and they're missing They're missing everything We said last week the correct question as we as we try to answer the question What do you do when you don't know what to do? The question isn't what's the answer. The question is who's the answer? What do you do when you don't know what to do you turn to jesus? But these people were asking a wrong question too. The correct spiritual question for them was not Well, what will jesus do for me? So I might believe often people would come to jesus and say if you'll do a miracle I'll believe that's the wrong question to ask the correct spiritual question for you and I to ask is what did Jesus do for me so that I might believe? Because when we see what Jesus did for us, we realize the message of who Jesus is is the miracle in itself of what he's done in our lives. What did Jesus do? He gave his life so we could be forgiven according to the message. He gave his word so that we could have direction in life according to the message. He gave his mission so that we could have purpose in life according to the message. He gave his spirit so that we could... Feel him deep down in our soul according to the message of the gospel And he gave his church so that we could have spiritual family according to the message of the gospel How many of those things are not miraculous in our life yet? So many of us hear those and we're like, okay, well, I understand that's what church is But what is jesus going to do for me? You see the message in itself is not miraculous to you It's okay. Jesus has given me forgiveness. He's given me direction. He's given me purpose He's come into literally my soul so that I can feel him. He's given me a spiritual family. But unless he does something for me personally, I don't know that I want to follow him. Does that ever sound like your faith or the faith of anyone you've ever had a conversation with? That was the faith of people in Cana. Okay, I understand the message, but but what sign are you going to do to prove you're worth following? Some of you today look at this list of what Jesus did and it's not impressive to you As a matter of fact you look at your life and your problems today and you think All right, jesus did all that that really does nothing for me Today And if you were to be honest and sincere, you would still reply. Okay I hear the, I hear the message, but what miracle is he going to do for me? Because the message of the gospel especially for those of us who have grown up in church has just kind of grown stale It's become boring. It's like, okay, that's christianity 101. What's next? There's so much there And jesus was frustrated that they missed the message, which was the miracle We also see in this Story about this man and his boy that belief ultimately is the key to life with jesus belief in jesus ultimately is the key to the answers to your question You know some of jesus most frustrated statements recorded in scripture were made about people's lack of belief And their trust in him it irritated him I mean, I would love to have a recording of Jesus' inner monologue throughout all of Scripture. You you can't imagine how many times Jesus thought these people are all morons, they're never gonna believe, what have we done here? But every now and then, he actually vented. He spoke the frustration of his heart. But almost all of those times, his frustration was, why won't they believe? Why won't they believe? In Matthew 6.30, Jesus teaching about trusting God for providing for your needs and quitting worrying so much and working so hard to take care of yourself instead of trusting Jesus. Jesus said, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, is he not much more going to clothe you, you of little faith? So why will you not just believe that Jesus loves you and is going to take care of you? Why, why won't you believe that? In Matthew eight twenty six, speaking to his disciples, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. Let me ask you, those of you who are Christians and Jesus is in the boat of your life, why are you so afraid that everything is always gonna go wrong? Why are you so afraid that he's not gonna step up before it gets too late? Why are you so afraid and why can't you trust Jesus more? Matthew 17, 17. Jesus said to a father who was struggling, wondering if his kid's, could ever be healthy spiritually. Said to his disciples who said, Well, maybe this one's a lost cause. You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. He so man, why can't you just believe God could take care of this if you would bring your stuff to God? But probably one of my favorite statements on small faith was given to one of the strongest Christians who ever lived. I believe two people would be one and one A for the strongest Christians who have ever lived. One was the Apostle Peter, one was the Apostle Paul. They both ended up dying for their faith. We know from history that the Apostle Peter watched his wife and children killed before he was killed because he wouldn't recant his faith. These were men of extremely big faith. Yet when jesus was walking on the water in john chapter 6 and peter said if it's really you call me to come walk with You jesus said come on and peter peter walked on the water a step or two Then he kind of saw what was going on and he thought this is crazy And he began to sink and it says in matthew fourteen thirty one, immediately jesus reached out his hand and he caught him You of little faith. He said Why did you doubt? I've always wondered why jesus would say that to him actually it didn't seem fair to me I mean, how, big, how, how much bigger does your faith have to become to get out of a boat and try to walk in the midst of a stormy sea? It didn't make sense to me until I studied the original meaning. The New Testament was written in Greek, not English. In the original meaning of that word little, that, that word little faith doesn't chastise the size of Peter, Peter's faith, but the duration of it. Jesus was basically saying, why, why are the periods of your belief so short? Why can't you believe and stick to it? Why do you believe so much and then doubt so fast? He was basically saying your belief hasn't taken over long term in your life yet I heard a pastor who was talking about The difficulty he has with what he calls easter faith He said it seems like that every christian in america has about one hour of faith per year On easter and it can't extend more than that but on easter everyone will be in church everyone has One hour of faith for god in the midst of a year, but that's it He said I wish the faith of resurrection sunday Would last longer than one Sunday of the year And he told his church on easter sunday after he'd given the gospel and so many people had made decisions on resurrection sunday He said I want you to know this year if your resurrection lasts more than four hours call your pastor Because you might really believe now. I don't know that I would say it quite that way But I get what he was saying He said, I'm so sick of people not being able to maintain their belief that if you walk away and it's real in your heart more than just one hour on Easter, maybe God's doing something in you. Why are our moments of faith so short-lived? Let me ask you, have you ever resisted temptation for 40 days in a row? Said no to the things you struggle with for 40 days in a row to see if somewhere in that time period you'll meet Jesus or do you resist one or two times and then when it's still hard you just give in and think, oh, well, Lord, I tried. Why isn't your faith a little longer? Have you ever prayed for something every day for 40 days and never missed a day or do you pray one or two times and you think, well, I guess God's not listening. He didn't answer my prayer. Why is your faith so little? Have you trusted God in a totally unknown situation for 40 days and 40 nights like Noah did while it was raining on his ark and just trust that at some point the storm will end but you're not gonna give up on God or do you wait for God to intervene for a couple days, maybe even a week and then you say, well, I guess God's not gonna help me. Why is your faith so little? Would you ever like the people in Hebrews 11 live for God for 40 years, mom and dad every day? Knowing that God wouldn't grant your greatest faith request, but you would live for Him every day anyway, so that your kids would see how true the belief was in your heart and they would follow? Hebrews 11 says the men and women of faith in the old testament many of them never got what was promised to them But through them generations continued to believe would you put your total faith in god every day for the next 40 years? Knowing that all of your prayers would never be answered knowing that all of your hang-ups would never go away Would you believe every day for the next 40 years so your kids would know how sincere your belief is? Would you work a generation to build a boat like noah even if it never rained one of those days god told Noah build an ark? Many people thought he worked between 50 and 100 years to build this ark and it never on even one of those days rained. Scholars don't think it had ever rained on planet earth during that time. Do you think at some point on year 10 or 25 or 30 or 40 or 50, you would say, okay, God, just one drop of rain? I mean, just one drop? Like, are, you, are we really going to do this? Would you work for a generation knowing that you wouldn't meet God till the very end? Because the man in John 4 really believed. And his actions proved that he really believed. Look at verse 50. He said, Jesus, I need you to heal my son, come down. And Jesus said, go, your son's gonna live. And the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. You need to underline that in your Bible. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. He basically said, I will believe Jesus and just keep living my life and trust that things are gonna work out. Let me ask you a question this morning. When will you make a long-term commitment to live for Jesus and leave a church service ready to keep it? I mean, when will you make a commitment where you say, "You know what? No matter what, I'm not I'm not turning back this time. This time it's real. This time I'm going to do whatever it takes. This time I'm going to make a commitment" And i'm not gonna waver this time i'm in for the rest of my life I'm done having little faith i'm done having short faith this time I'm in for the rest of my life. This dad was in for the rest of his life And what happens number three what happens is this When you exhibit this kind of faith when you have real faith It releases you It doesn't hold you hostage. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you do nothing which means you're paralyzed spiritually. Okay. Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? If you say I just trust jesus You get out of that paralyzed state and it releases you to live your life But while trusting jesus every moment of that life Look at verses 51 through 53 I want you to see what happened when this man put his belief in jesus We'll start in verse 50 go jesus replied your son is going to live The man took jesus at his word and he departed while he was still on his way home His servants met him with the news that his boy was living When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Basically, the man realized as he went on living his life, he realized that the moment he put his faith in Jesus, Jesus began to work. And he didn't see that until a few hours later But the moment he, be, he put his faith in jesus jesus began to work. Let me ask you a question What if the moment of your belief sparks the miracle of your future? The thing you're waiting on the thing you need the thing you're praying for What if god is saying listen the minute that you believe and begin to live your life like you believe it's going to happen I'm going to start working But you first You see sadly I believe many of us wait to believe Instead of starting with belief We have an attitude that says this when god does this Then i'll do this We have an attitude that says if god will do this for me Then I will do this We have an attitude that says if god would ever show up in this area. I promise god I would then give you This area we we have kind of an equation that says when god moves i'll move What if the dad would have had this mindset? What if when jesus said go your son's going to be healed the dad would have said i'm not leaving until you heal him And jesus would have said well i'm not healing him until you leave You see jesus looked right at that dad and said you can choose to believe And your actions after your statement of belief your actions Tell me whether or not you really believe whether or not you really have faith But I promise you if you will believe This situation will be taken care of you're not going to hear about it for a few hours Your friends won't text you on the way home 2,000 years ago. You're not going to get an email It would have taken four to eight hours of rough terrain for him to walk home But I wonder as he walked home with a heart saying Well, jesus said he was going to fix it If he was surprised when he heard the news that everything was okay, because he didn't act surprised They told him your son's okay. He said, yeah, I know what time did he get okay? And they told him and he said, you know That's the exact time jesus said he was going to take care of it What if we could have that type of faith? What if today is our encounter with jesus to say jesus? This is going on in my life Jesus my marriage is laying sick and dying. Jesus my kids are laying sick and dying Jesus my job my career jesus my spirit my discouragement my depression Jesus what i've left at home I just don't know that it's going to make it without you and jesus is saying well, listen I'll take care of it Just start living for me and follow me And some of us are saying no 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 no. prove it and then i'll follow you And jesus says you faithless generation It doesn't work that way Start with faith Then follow Then watch me move Because in scripture so many times your miracles come within your movement As you move spiritually with jesus you begin to unlock more of the supernatural in your life So what do you do when you don't know what to do? It's a great question Some of you let me ask you today. Marvin talked about it in his song. What's your fear? What's your burden? What's the thing that if god would take care of it today would change the rest of your life? What's the thing you're going to wake up tomorrow worried about because you woke up today worried about it You woke up yesterday worried about it and it happens to be the thing that comes to your mind before you brush your teeth Every morning, what's the greatest burden of your life? What do you and your wife, your, your husband and your wife, your spouse sit down and talk about? What are you worried about? What prognosis or diagnosis have you just gotten that if God doesn't step into the middle of it, you're not even gonna be able to sleep at night? What's going on in your world that if you would believe that Jesus was gonna step into it and follow him, that it would change everything? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Three things this morning. Number one, trust Jesus and who the Bible says that he is. What do I do when I don't know what to do trust jesus in who the bible says that he is And begin to follow the path that he has laid out for you. What are your steps? What is trusting jesus look like? It's very clear in scripture Inside your bulletin is a little card that says my next step. You say why why does it say my next step? Because jesus says if you want to unlock the future of your miracle begin to follow me Here's the steps to follow me baptism Learning a little bit about me getting engaged in a small group with other people who can help you serving in my kingdom If you do these things you're gonna find me you're gonna know me you're gonna find answers to your questions Some of you are sitting out there in your spiritual posture looks like this when Jesus moves I'll get baptized When Jesus moves I'll join a small group Man if Jesus does this one thing for me, I'll start serving And I think Jesus posture is the same thing Looking at you saying go first Because when you get baptized i'll start moving When you get obedient in small groups i'll start moving when you start serving i'll start moving Here's the only difference between you and jesus. He proved he's supernatural and has the answer We've not been able to do that yet So what's your next step? It's time For some of you, maybe your next step is not on this card You're doing all those things and the big challenge for you like you heard marvin say is to begin to get into the word of god So that you can know who jesus is Last week we passed out this read the bible through in a year guide that I think more than a hundred of our people took And they're going to try to do they're going to try to read the bible every day so that they can know who jesus is We laid out this little pattern if you will read your bible 12 minutes a day for 365 days You'll read through every word in the Bible by Easter of next year. So we've got these at the Next Steps tab- st- uh, table so you can take with you. And you say, how powerful will this be in my life? I've talked to a few people who started this this week. They actually texted an email and said, I'm gonna start early because I know I'm gonna miss a few days. So I just wanna get a head start. And they said, man, I've never faced spiritual battles like I have when I started reading the Bible. I know God must have something huge in store for me because this has been one of the most difficult weeks of my faith ever. But I am going to commit to getting to know who jesus is through his word Trust jesus and who the bible says that he is number two choose to believe every day You know belief is not a one-time thing that you do it's on sunday at a church It's okay. Now. I believe forever. No, guess what tomorrow you're gonna to have to wake up and you're gonna to have to believe again The faith that you place in god for your burden on april 10th You're gonna to have to place in god for your burden on april 11th 12th, 13th, 14th. You get it for the rest of your life so on October 23rd, 2009, I'm sitting in the basement of a church in Seoul, South Korea. And I'm burdened about the future of my life. It was the greatest burden of my life. God, what do you want me to do? I knew God wanted me to do ministry different with different people that look different and sounded different, but I just didn't know how to do it. And I kind of gave God my burden. I told God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. But I just, I've got I've to give this burden to you because it's crushing me. I've got to believe you've got a plan for my future. And sitting in a church service in a basement, you see my journal page there in the top right hand corner dated ten twenty-three, 2009 And as god began to speak to me about what he wanted for my future You'll see highlighted in the lower left hand corner It was the first time I ever heard in my head heard in my heart wrote on a piece of paper the words the journey And I felt like god wanted me living in kansas at the time to move to jackson county and plant a church called the journey Around maybe easter or labor day of 2011. It would be two years later but on that day October 23rd 2009 So the first day I believed god for this church And you know what i've had to do every day since then i've had to believe god for this church I have to believe every day so about Less than a month after that I connected with one of my accountability partners and said i'm believing god for something huge in my life But I know god wants me to pursue him and and i've been in ministry at this point more than 10 years And I never really faithfully read my bible or prayed So I said, I wanna read my Bible every day for 40 days because I'm believing God for something huge, but I'm praying he'll verify it in the word. Will you pray with me that I can read my Bible every day for 40 days and not miss a day? Will you do it with me? We can do it together and text each other every day. He said, yeah, I'm in. We got to the end of the 40 days and god had revealed so much to each of us about the things in our life That we said let's go an entire year in 2010 Do you know that there's only been one day of my life since november 17 2009 that I haven't opened the word of god And said, okay, god, what do you have for me? I'm seeking today to believe what do you have for me? On july 4th of 2014. I fell asleep before I read my bible That is the only day since november 17 2009 that I haven't Chosen to believe who jesus was and sought what he wanted for my life and then number four as you do these things I believe you let your faith release you to live a life following and trusting jesus You don't know what the answer is going to be You don't know how things are going to turn out But as long as you know who the answer is and who you are following, you know what the destination is going to be And it's going to be life transforming So let me ask you this question on april 10th 2016 What burden on your life? What burden in your heart? What thing do you need to believe god for today? And say god today i'm going to believe you for this and i'm going to follow more closely than i've ever followed In my life I'm going to invite our band to the stage and in just a moment They're going to begin singing our final worship song I'm going to invite our production team to go ahead and turn the lights down so that we can get in a spirit of worship But here's how we're going to close this service today There are many times in scripture where physical movement mimics spiritual movement Where god says draw near to me and i'll draw near to you and people think in their hearts Okay, i'm going to draw near to god and god's like no right now You take a step towards me and i'll take a step towards you We don't do it often at our church But today we're going to end with an opportunity For you to come forward and pray And here's the thought of this invitation today Inside your bulletin There's a little card that kind of looks like a calendar icon On your phone It just looks like this I don't know if you keep a journal So this is your journal page Sunday, April 10th I believed God for what? If I would have had one of these cards on October 23rd 2009 I would have written I believe God for a future church. He wants me to start Maybe today you need to believe God that your kids are going to come around Maybe today you need to believe God that your marriage is going to make it Or maybe you've had a failed marriage and you need to believe God that you're going to be Okay as you move forward In the early service, I prayed with several people who came forward and I said tell me what you're praying for And what they told me was heartbreaking in the terms of they said to me, Christian, if my marriage doesn't change, it's not gonna make it. I had a, a a previously divorced woman come to me and say, I feel like there'll never be another man who will love me. And I need to give that to God. I had a mom talk to me and said, I'm going through a divorce, I don't know that I'm gonna make it through. And some of our other pastors talk with me, I don't know what your thing is. I just know Jesus said in John 16 33, in this life you're gonna have trouble. It's gonna be hard but you don't have to fear because you and what is in your life, in this world, you're gonna have troubles, but you said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And if I'm in you, you're gonna overcome the world. So would you bow your heads with me right now? Would you close your eyes all over this auditorium?